And this is what our sermon series is. We are the church. It's about service. It's about serving. It's about allowing God to use you and I, our gifts, our talents, our resources. You know, we, uh, prior to Christ, um, you know, the things we might have been involved in and the things we might have served and we come to Christ and we receive salvation and, and we're saved and we're born again and we have this new life in us. Amen. And that new life in us is meant to be shared with others. It's meant to be expressed to others. It's meant to be given out to others. Even if you were raised in the house of God, even if you were raised in church, you got a testimony. You have exp- you've had had experiences with God. You've had experiences with the Holy One, intimacy with God, and, and that needs to be shared. See, God, when it comes to salvation, never meant for us to just be spectators, just onlookers, just watching and observing. But he's called us to be participants. Amen? He's called us to be in the game or in the fight, in the action. He's called us to be servants. See, it's not just a request of God, would you serve? But it's a requisite. It's a requirement that you and I serve. I entitled this message tonight, Double Your Rewards. I mean, here, like rewards. I mean, I like rewards. Let's get into it. Uh, we're going to, if you go to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 and 21, just put your finger there. We read about uh, Elijah, and God speaks to Elijah, and he tells Elijah, I want you to anoint the future king of Israel, and I want you to anoint your future successor, person that's going to take over for you, your office. And so Elijah, he goes out and he finds Elisha at work in the fields. And in the book of 1 Kings 19, verses 19 to 21, he says, So we departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. Elisha passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and he said, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and he took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. We could bow our heads and pray for this evening's message. Father God, we just thank you for your presence, Father God, for just the liberal spirit that you have given us here, Father God, to worship and to love you, Father God. Father, I ask and pray, Lord, that you would challenge our hearts tonight, God, to press in, Father God, to dig deeper when it comes to our service and our sacrifice to you, Father God, that you would challenge and encourage us tonight, Father God, and Lord, we know, Lord, that your word says that you reward those who diligently seek you, Father God. Let our hearts and our minds and our ears be attentive to your word tonight, Father God. Let me decrease and you increase, Father God. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Back in the 60s, 70s, in that era, uh, musician Bob Dylan, he wrote this song, uh, You Gotta Serve Somebody, right? Might be the devil or might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And the truth is, uh, is that each and every one of us will serve somebody. We will serve someone. And the question is, is who do you serve? 
prior to salvation, some of the things that we might have been involved in, and some of the things that we might have served. We might have served the neighborhood. We might have served the tagging crew if you're in my generation. We might have served money or a habit or an addiction. You might have served your own self-interest. But you served somebody. You served something. And in the things of God, and now we're, we're, we're saved and we're born again. And who do we serve now? We, we serve God. Amen. We serve the Alpha, the Omega, as he's called, the beginning, the end. We serve the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. We serve the one true God. Amen. We serve the Almighty. And how do we serve the Almighty? By serving one another. By serving one another. By serving the people of God. By serving the leaders. and the, uh, uh, By serving the people that come in our community. We serve each other. But sometimes there can be a danger when our heart is not right in serving other people because rather than seeking the praise and the audience of one and serving God, our motives might change and we begin to serve others for the sake of serving others, for the sake of being validated by others, for the sake of being looked or, or, or impressing others, trying to get on someone's good side. And what happens is that when we lose our perspective and we begin to serve others for the sake of serving others and we forget why we're serving, we can give ourselves an insecurity. You know what I mean? We no longer are wanting to be validated by God and that approval that comes from God and that reward that comes from God and we begin to seek the approval that comes from man. And, and you know what? That's dangerous because uh, man isn't always going to recognize what you do. Your peers, your leaders, they might not always recognize what you do. Jesus spoke on this in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. He says, take care. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, for then you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give a gift to a beggar, don't shout it about as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets and call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you in all earnestness, they have received all the reward that they will ever get. But when you do a kindness to someone, do it secretly. Don't tell your left hand what your right hand is doing, and your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. And what Jesus is saying here is that when your motive comes to impress man, you're cheating yourself. You're robbing yourself. You're, you're forfeiting something greater for something far, far less. You're forfeiting that recognition that can come only from God, that reward that can only come from God, and you're trading it for that reward that comes that we would give to one another. It feels good to be validated. It feels good to be recognized. It feels good to be appreciated. Right? We're all human. Do a good job. It does feel nice to be appreciated and say, hey, that was a good job. Thank you. Appreciate that. But, you know, what happens if that doesn't come? Can you still serve God and, and say, hey, you know what, maybe nobody noticed, but God, you noticed. Can, can we still say, you know what, uh, maybe nobody really cared, but you know what, God, I, I did this unto you anyways. 
I can serve you, God, with that spirit of excellence and, 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 and not allow my heart to become bitter or resentful. God remembers your labor. He remembers your labor. He remembers everything that you do. We think about the God that we serve, right? He's, he pays so much attention to detail. He created all the, the stars in the heavens. If you look out, not in L.A., but if you go to like, the mountains, you can see all the stars. And if you look at them, they're just vast. There's so many, and he knows every single one of those stars. He put them there. You think about um, our, uh, uh, our bodies and how we're made up. When we're in the womb, we're not just a clump of cells, but he knows every single detail that goes on that creates us as we're being formed in the womb. God is, pays attention to details. He pays attention to the smallest things. He, he says that uh, he knows the hairs on our head. Not that many anymore. But he pays attention to those details. And if God is so concerned with the intricacies of details, you better believe he sees what you do. You better believe that he sees it when you open the doors for people to come in. You better believe that he sees you when you're working in the nursery, changing stinking diapers. And you better believe that he sees, man, when you're just sacrificing your time and your resources. He remembers everything that you do for him in his name. Nothing goes forgotten with God. He remembers, he sees it, and he rewards it. Book of Hebrews. Chapter 6, verse 10. He says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. That God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love. As a father, I really appreciate when someone takes the time to bless my kids. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel nice. It makes me feel blessed that someone would take the time to recognize my kids and to bless them. I think about uh, the Royal Rangers. My son has been in the Royal Rangers since he was like five years old. And all the just different men that have just imparted into him and teaching him things, you know, how to pitch a tent and light a fire and shoot guns. But more than that, respect they taught him. Dignity, integrity, manners, righteousness, morality, Holiness, these men are investing into my son's life. I think about my, oh, my daughters and their teachers, Miss Ibarra, Miss Bowie. Come on. And just the love that they've shown my kids, my daughters, and the prayers and the encouragement and the just being there and being uh, role models and, and mother figures to them. Why did they do that? It's not to get on my good side. It's not to impress me. It's not to make me happy. It's because they love God. And because they love God, they love my children. Because they love God, they love your children. Because they love God, they serve our children. See, when you love God, you love his people. And love is a motivator. Love will get you to do things you might not normally do. Love will motivate you to serve. Love, love will motivate you to go above and beyond. Pastor Danny was talking about this Sunday that he loves his wife, Sister Sabrina. And because he loves her, he'll wash dishes, even though he doesn't like it. Can I tell you, when he said that, 
You know what he did? He deposited for all us married men and single brothers that want to get married. He gave us a gold nugget of wisdom. And we'd be wise to take that gold nugget. Because, you know, our wives, they appreciate gifts. They like gifts. They like jewelry and candy and stuff. But you know what? What really showed them that you love them? Have the house clean for them. Cook them a dinner. And not spamming eggs. They put some effort into it. And they'll, they'll say, you, man, what a blessing. You know why? Because love motivates you to serve. Love will motivate you to serve. That phrase, labor of love. Means that a person, it's work that a person does because they are passionate about it not because they stand to gain from it. It's because they're passionate about what they do. It makes them go above and beyond. I think about the, some of the workers in our media team, the men and women that work up there in our media team, the ones that make the videos and they edit the videos and they got the sound going and the lights and the, uh, the PowerPoint and everything that they do. A lot of them go above and beyond. They all go above and beyond because what you don't see is when they're here after hours what you don't see is the time and effort that they're putting in at their homes uh, or coming to church on an off night uh, hour upon hour upon hour of filming and editing and and trying to get it right why so that you and i can be blessed they're serving and it's more than just a, a a something that they do it's more than just work it's a labor of love for them they love god and they put their heart into what they do book of Matthew chapter 25 verses 42 and 46 Jesus says for I was hungry and you gave me no food I was thirsty and you gave me no drink I was a stranger and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sorry about that my computer has been acting up since yesterday and now it just froze but I got to back up. This is called old school. Naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. That's heavy. Because what Jesus is saying is sometimes he's going to call us to serve people that are in no position to reward us or recognize us or thank us. But these are the people that God wants to reach out to. These are the people that God wants to meet. These are the people that God wants to have an encounter with, and he uses you and I. He uses you and I to do that. These are the people that God is, is desperate to have a relationship with. And he's saying, I can't do it unless you go out there and begin to serve them. You're going into the prisons, into the juvenile halls, uh, and begin to serve them. You're going into your community and ministering to those that are out there. He's saying, when you're doing it to them, it's like you're doing it to me. It's like you're reaching out to me. Went to the grocery store today. 
buy some groceries, and this man comes up, and he says, I'll wash your windows for some money. I says, I don't have any change, but what do you want? And he goes, well, give me some bologna and some bread. He said, that's a deal. And I went, and I got some bologna and some bread, and I says, you know what? Let me just seize this opportunity to share with them the love of God. So I went, and I gave him some bologna and some bread, and I told him, you know, that God loves you. We began to talk, and I don't know what I said, but I set him off. And he started yelling at me in the parking lot. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not how I imagined it going <laughs> when I was doing this. My heart was right, but this is now. And I just said, listen, I mean the fan, and we just kind of, I just had to be faithful to what God had asked me to do. <laughs> Didn't matter if he was going to receive it at that moment. But I was just thinking, oh, man, this is, I hope no one from church is seeing this. God is the rewarder, man. He's the rewarder. Charles Swindoll said, the numerous rewards of serving God far outweigh the consequences. Let them motivate you to keep going. Being a servant is an inner attitude that has an external reward. You know, others can receive because of your service. Others can be blessed because of your service. I know my children are blessed because of my wife's and I decision to serve God. In fact, I let them know, listen, you're blessed because your mom and I are blessed. You know. When we serve, others receive that benefit. Others become blessed and others are able to reap of the fruit of the fruit that we've sown. I think about Cornelius in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion that was called the Italian reg regiment. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before me. If you go on to read the rest of that chapter, Cornelius and his whole family come to salvation. They're baptized. These, this, this family, they were a Gentile family, okay? They were excluded at the time. But because of his prayers and his alms, his finances, his giving, God made a way. God brought salvation into that house. See, he loved God. And he would serve the people of God with his prayers. And he would serve the people of God with his finances. He was a giver. He was a giver. And because of his service to God, his whole family came to receive that salvation. Fathers, fathers, pray and give. Give of your time. Give of your labor. Give of your, your, your efforts. And you're going to watch and see how blessed your children will become. You're going to watch and see, man, how God is just going to outpour himself on your children. Serve. Think of our men's home. And they learn through serving. They might not even understand why they got to work so much. Why they got to wake up so early and work so hard, the first in and the last out. They're like the Marines of the of the fellowship here. But let me tell you, it's because you've, they've 
come into the home because they know that there's something going on. They want to work through some issues. They want to get themselves right. They want to make themselves better. A lot of these men have wives and families that, uh, that they want to be husbands and fathers to. And it's through serving you and I that they're investing into that. It's through serving that they're learning discipline. They're learning uh, accountability and responsibility. They're learning how to be fathers and husbands. And we have so much fruit, so much fruit uh, in this church and in this fellowship because of that men's home and because of the work that they do. Our pastors are blessed. Our pastors here on staff, our pastors throughout the fellowship, they're blessed. And it's not because they have the title of pastor. It's because they've devoted their lives to serving you and I. They've devoted their lives to giving. They've devoted their lives to making the gospel known. We see them blessed. We see the favor and the anointing of God on them. But what we don't see are the hours of prayer and the hours of tears and the hours of counseling and the hours of ministry that they invest into this body. And that's what ministry is. It's serving. It's all about serving. Often when nobody's watching. Serving is not a waste of time. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Pastor Richard uh, he talked, when he opened up this series, he talked about Jesus and when he washed the, the feet of the disciples, right? At the bowl. And I was thinking about that and what Jesus was doing is he was modeling, modeling servanthood. He was talking to his disciples, understanding that very soon these men were going to be moved from disciple to apostle. They were going to be the pioneers of a brand new movement of God, a brand new church, and these men were going to have uh, men and women uh, following them and listening and learning from them. They were going to be in a position of authority, and they were going to be in a position of influence. And Jesus was teaching them, you better learn humility. You better learn servanthood because of the awesome weight that was about to be upon their shoulders. See, people in the world, they seek positions of authority to elevate themselves and to uh, push their ideas and to bring themselves success. But people in the kingdom of God, they have a heart of God and they seek to serve because that's their, that's their heart's motive. There's certain people in here, you couldn't keep them from serving because it's just what's inside of them. It's this fountain of service. And, and if you were to tell them, no, don't do that, they would look at you like, you're not going to take my blessing away. You're not going to rob me of what God has for me. You better let me serve. You better allow me to give. Because they're not doing it for man's approval. They're doing it for God's approval. Mother Teresa, we know her service with the lepers. She said, it's not about how much you do, but about how much love you put into what you do that counts. Serving is not a waste of time, especially to those that you are serving. You want to know who said that? It was me. And the reason I said that is because I know that 
I know, I know the, the service and the investment that's been placed into my life. few years back it seemed like for a good rough like 10 12 years um we just went through it my wife and I um just different things that would come against our home and come against our 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 our, our marriage and our family and it just seemed like wave after wave after wave you ever gone kind of gone through that so we canceled with uh, pastor Sergio and sister Tony I thank God they were not wasting their time when they would take us into their office and begin to just work with us, begin to encourage us, pray with us, and love us, and, and guide us, and shape us, and mold us. Uh, thank God they were not wasting their time, amen? Because I tell you what, because my wife and I are still in the house of God serving, amen? We're still pushing through and fighting, and not fighting with each other, but fighting that good fight of faith, amen? Because the man of God knew he wasn't wasting his time. Amen. See, it takes serving for God to impart into us life lessons. There's only certain things that we can learn through service. There's, there's certain revelations that can come to us that will not come to us when we're spectating, but when we're serving. Elijah understood this. Elisha served Elijah for four and a half years, taking care of his personal needs. Book of 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, it says, one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Let me tell you what Elisha was. He, he, he was Elijah's personal assistant. It wasn't like it was, a, it was a president and vice president where he was given certain projects and certain uh, prestigious uh, uh, projects that he had to do. And it wasn't like that. Elisha was Elijah's personal servant. It was more like his personal butler. Elisha would be his assistant attending to his every need. If he'd say, hey, I'm going to speak in this area. I want this tunic nice and ready. He would get the, the robe ready for him. He would wash his hands. He would wash his feet. If Elijah said, what's for dinner? It's because Elisha had to cook that dinner. He was his personal assistant, and he worked under him, directly alongside of him for four and a half years. Nothing prestigious, nothing glamorous, uh, nothing of high, uh, uh, of, of what we would think is a prestigious job. It was uh, down and dirty. He was taking care of Elijah, and every single need that he had, he was there to meet that need. We need leaders, workers that would say, hey, I want to offer into the house of God. I, I don't care if it's scrubbing toilets after service. I want to be used. I don't care if it's ushering in the parking lot. I want to be used. I don't care if it's you know, working in the media team or working in the nursery or working with the youth or working with the rangers. I, I want to use, be used. I want my life 
to be invested into something greater than myself. Second Kings chapter two, verse nine. And it says, and so it was that when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. When Elisha is introduced, from the time he's introduced till the time that he goes to be with Elijah when he's taken away, there's nothing mentioned of him. There's nothing mentioned of him. It's not mentioned of him until he's asking for that double portion. The reason is, is that it wasn't about Elisha at that time. It was about Elijah. Elisha was to serve him. But when it came time for God to raise him up, he says, I want a double portion of that. And it wasn't because he was after some ambition or some selfish ambition or to prop himself up or he was just, uh, you know, greedy for the power. No. It's because after four and a half years of working directly under the prophet Elijah, he understood the office that he was about to take. He understood the responsibility that he was about to receive. He understood that... Um, the call of God upon his life was heavy. And he was saying, I, I can't do this in and of myself. I need a double portion of what this man has in order for me to be able to function, in order for me to be able to be as effective uh, as, uh, uh, as a minister as Elijah is. I want a double portion of what he has so I can glorify God, so I can have the mind of God, so I can seek the mind of God, so I can know what it is that God has for the people that I am serving. Those were the motives and the reasons that he needed that double portion. And if you think about uh, Elijah, Elisha, how God mightily used him. See, Elijah was taken by God because Elijah had been faithful servant of God. And Elijah had faithfully served Elijah all those years. Book of Acts. Chapter 6, verses 3, 4, and 7. Put your finger there. One of the things that I tell the guys in the sound is that make sure everything is covered. Make sure the batteries are checked. Make sure the mics are checked. Make sure everything is covered and ready to go. Because the last thing that I want one of our pastors to be worried about when they're up here ministering is the sound. It's not their responsibility. It's not their, the responsibility to worry about, hey, you know, did Tony's mic get batteries? And I always tell the guys, make sure everything is covered. Uh, make sure that you're serving. This is what our, our task and our responsibility is. It's, it's a sentiment that's shared with everybody that's up there in the media is, uh, is the video get checked? Uh, did this thing, is this thing working? Can we make this happen? Why? It's because they're setting a platform so that the man of God could come back here and be able to minister and to be able to serve. And that's what we need are individuals that say, listen, I'll be in the background. I'll be in the background and I'll serve. How can I do it? How can I help make the, 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 the service flow so that people can come in and hear and receive and be moved and be challenged? They had the issue in the book of Acts 
chapter 6, verses 3, 4, and 7. He says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And in verse 7, it says, Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. You know what happens when the people started serving? It's that the word of God began to move. The word of God began to expand. Church, 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 when we began to just say, you know what, God, here I am at your service. God, what you've done so much for me. What can I do for you? As we begin to serve, revival begins to take place. God would bring in people. God will bring in souls. God will bring in family members. God will bring in the community that we're trying to reach. But it takes you and I being ready in our service. Author Terry Nance says, you and I will never flow in the anointing of Elisha until we have learned to serve an Elijah. I need to hurry. You think about Elisha's ministry, that it, his ministry exploded immediately after Elijah was taken. Elisha was trained by one of the greatest prophets in his day and age. He knew how to serve God. He knew what, uh, uh, how, what he knew in a, what the office that he was about to come into, what was expected out of that office. Uh, he had been trained. And you know what, church? You and I that are here, we've been trained by the best. Amen. We've been trained by the best. Uh, we've been given so much insight and so much revelation, and we've been given such a great foundation. You know, we got to be careful that we don't lose that. Pastor uh, Ruben was talking to Brother Matt and myself, and, and he was saying, you know, that we're blessed because of what our spiritual forefathers have left behind. Not that they're gone, but you know what I'm trying to say is, is that uh, the, our spiritual forefathers, man, what they built through prayer, through fasting, through service, through labor, you and I reap that. You and I are reaping that. We're blessed of the fruit that the men of God before us uh, have sown. Elisha accomplished twice as much as Elijah did in his lifetime. Uh, man, you know, Pastor Jose, what a blessing in, in Anaheim. I came in in 95. He came in a year later, 96. And his whole time here in Norwalk, just a servant, just a servant, whether it was as an usher or as a ranger commander or as a Bible study teacher or as a care ministry worker, he's just always been a servant. And you hear the reports that's going on in Anaheim, man. There is revival taking place in that city, man. They, God is moving through him and Sister Teresa. And you know what God did? All he did was just give Pastor Jose a bigger arena in which to serve. He's reaping all them years of just faithful, committed service. They didn't want recognition. They didn't want his name in lights. Uh, just wanted to serve God. And man, look how God is blessing him out there, city of Anaheim. Elisha's ministry exploded because of the foundation that was laid. That foundation is Matthew 6, 33. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's the foundation that was laid, and that's where we need to continue to build on is seeking first the kingdom of God. As I close, 
Pastor Richard, he's, he often uses this quote. Um, different individuals throughout the years have said some kind of variance of this quote, but the heart of it is, is all the same. It says, it is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. And I really believe here, church, that this, mess, this um, sermon series is timely because I really believe in my heart of hearts, man, that we're going to have an explosion of revival, man. And we're going to see souls come in. That We're going to see New Harvest begin to impact its community. But it is going to take you and I laboring. It is going to take you and I serving. You know, you might feel like, you know what, what I do is so insignificant, man. I don't even do much. Uh, but you know what? You matter. You're, you matter. You value you're valued by what God does. And you'd be surprised when there's someone not here sometimes, man. You, you are missed. You are missed. We need one another. We need one another's encouragement to, and strengthening. I've been looking at my watch here. And I don't know what goes on on the inside of the watch. I know there's a lot of little cogs and wheels. And if one cog is missing, this watch is done. It's not going to work. This watch that I'm wearing right here, I haven't been able to wear it for the past six months because the time has been off by an hour. You know what I mean? I'm about six days behind on my watch. What happened was I broke this little wheel right here on the side. I don't know how I broke it, but I broke it. This little insignificant wheel, and because this wheel is missing, I can't fix the time, and I can't fix the date. I didn't realize how important this wheel was. This little knob, it's missing. I didn't know how important it was until I couldn't use it anymore. And church, do not undervalue the things that you do for God. Do not undervalue your service. Do not undervalue what God has called you to do. If he's called you to be in the nursery, you're valued in the nursery. If he's called you to work with the youth, Trust me, you are valued working with the youth. If he's called you to usher, you are valued. We need ushers. Whatever God has called you to do, even if it's just to pray, encourage, visit someone in the hospital, take someone a meal because they're sick, there's so much value in that. And do not allow the enemy to lie to you and say that what you do is insignificant because it's not. God sees it. He remembers it, and he rewards it. Amen. If we can have our heads bowed and our eyes closed in reverence to God. Tonight, I asked earlier if maybe you've been here for the first time and didn't see any hands, but maybe you just started coming or maybe you were shy and didn't want to raise your hand. I understand that, but maybe you're here because you're searching, you're seeking. Someone might have invited you and you don't know the Lord and you're here on church on a Wednesday night and been listening. And can I tell you that God loves you? Can I tell you that Christ loves you, that Christ died for you, that Christ shed his precious, precious blood to forgive you of your sin, to wash you, to make you new and to make you whole? You might have been just sitting in your seat and just kind of wrestling and, and struggling and it's the Spirit of God that is attempting to, 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 to woo you, to let you know that, hey, the answer is in Jesus. 
I mentioned earlier that we, at one point, we, we served something other than God, many of us that came to Christ. What are you serving tonight? What are you serving? What are you investing your life into? What are you serving that uh, is leaving you unfulfilled with that void, still seeking, still searching? Can I tell you your answer? Your answer is Jesus Christ.